you can build an audience and you can build a brand and you can build a business anywhere with any medium, however it works for you. You could do it with tweeting. You could do it with blogging. You could do it with a YouTube or a Vimeo channel. You could do it on TikTok. You could do it anywhere. But you've got to be providing valuable content for your specific audience and you've got to be consistent at it. And you've got to be relatable. Successful brands are rooted in purpose and driven by the potential to make a positive impact on their customers. Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose with Amy Austin. Each week, Amy brings you practical advice to embrace the power of purpose in all aspects of your business and transform it into the central storyline for your branding and marketing strategies. So today my guest is Bonnie Frank, and Bonnie is a business coach that I connected with through a podcasting group, and her story was so interesting to me that I knew I had to have her on as a guest. So Bonnie, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and the business that you're in? Sure. Um, my name is Bonnie L. Frank, and uh, I'm a former teacher and college professor turned entrepreneur overnight. Um, I'm a business coach and consultant for entrepreneurs and small businesses who want to increase their online visibility and get more social media followers and really focus in on their marketing and increase sales. And uh, I have no business training whatsoever, and I'm very upfront with that. So I'm completely self-taught in that arena. I've never had a business course. I don't really plan on it. Most business professors, by the way, have never had a business, so there's that. Um, I didn't need theory, I needed practice, so I read a lot. So I've been doing this for six years now. And Bonnie, the thing that really was interesting to me was how you started your business, and that was through live videos. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it was a little bit of a circuitous path. So before I retired, quote unquote, because I really didn't retire. I quit with no retirement. I'd been teaching in private schools. Uh, so before I quit teaching, I had been an influencer for brands. So Maybelline, Purina, Formica, Hershey's, all things that I truly you know, loved and valued and used on a daily basis. And brands would pay me to write blog posts and do videos before the word vlog was invented and post on social media. And I did really well at that. I did that for a couple of years, but right around about a year and a half, I was thinking, I'm building up all these other big brands who seem to be doing fine anyway, and but yet I have no brand of my own. So the only people, I mean, tens of thousands of people were coming to, to my blog, were coming to my website to see what the latest thing was that I was talking about, and that was all wonderful, but they were only coming for the other brands. They weren't really coming for me. And I had nothing to sell of my own besides my influencing. So I decided uh, to stop that and to open up my own consulting business. And I did that overnight. Unfortunately, none of those followers came with me, not one. 
So they were all interested in, in whatever I was talking about in terms of the brands, but none of them, which fascinated me because many of them were mommy bloggers themselves, none of them wanted to make their own money. Not really, not from their own products. And so I had to start again and build from scratch again. So I literally, people are like, oh, well, you already had an online audience. No, no, no. I started from zero again. But I figured if I could do it once, I, I could do it again. And I did. And I, I certainly surpassed that amount. So how did you do it? I mean, what, what was, I mean, obviously you learned a tremendous amount from your experience of being an influencer to be able to bring back to then building your own brand. Mm-hmm. What are like two or three things that you think really made the biggest impact in your ability to be able to create the brand that you now have? I've gone through a, a journey, as we say, of, of branding. And I started out with the women in biz. So that was my business before. But nobody knew the women in biz. They just wanted, they're like, how can we pay you? And I said, well, you go to this website, the women in biz. And I always had to spell women because they always thought woman and they didn't know how to spell biz. And it was a whole thing. And really it was just, what's the fastest way to pay you, Bonnie? My website is now bonnielfrank.com, which makes a lot more sense because that's who I am and that's how people knew me. And then I have the Business Fabulous brand, which is really only as of June of 2020, almost a year old. So it's a very new brand because it started with my podcast. So to answer your question, I, I already knew how to do social media. So that was helpful. That definitely was helpful. I taught myself social media and that's how the brand started to approach me and, and all of that. So that was helpful. I did not learn coding. I did not ever hire anyone for a uniquely coded website. You don't need that. Save your 5K. Go on a nice vacation. Don't do that. You don't need it. Don't ever let anyone tell you you have to do that. I've never done that. It doesn't matter. You need good SEO is what you need. And so, and the rest I I read about on my own. But when I first started, when I decided, you know, overnight, I'm going to start being a business coach. Nobody encouraged me. Everyone said I would fail. Literally, they used that word, fail. Great four-letter word. Because I had no business training. And they're like, well, you don't know anything about business. And I said, yes, I do. But you've only been a teacher. You're only a teacher. I heard that a lot. You're only a teacher. And I thought to myself, well, that's true. And it's true I've never had a business. You know, I had not before that. But I didn't understand people's thinking of you can only be great at one thing. And I thought, I can certainly do this. Of course I can do this. I know I can do this. Um, So I just went about doing it. But I did have daily discouragement. And I do mean daily from all of my friends and family. So it did take me 14 months to land my first client because I started out trying to do it the way I'd been doing it as an influencer, as a brand influencer, which is really easy when people already know your brand. But nobody knew my brand. Sure. So I'm like, okay, well, this is not working, (laughs) consistently not working. And then on July 3rd, 2015, I read an article about Periscope and Meerkat. And most people today don't even know about Meerkat, but Periscope and Meerkat were the first two live streaming platforms that most people know about today. 
Periscope was acquired by Twitter three weeks after it launched. So what, by the time I was reading this article on July 3rd, Periscope was already acquired by Twitter and Meerkat had grown to very, very big numbers. But Periscope had Twitter behind it. So I stopped reading the article. I immediately opened up my Periscope account and I started, I did my first live stream. I just talked into the phone and I just did it. I was outside and uh, we were watching fireworks. <laughs> and that's, I kind of talked about that and I just did it. And then I did it the next day and I did it the next day and I did it three to seven times a day, every single day. And in six days, I landed my first coaching client where I had been trying to do that exact same thing for 14 months. Wow. Six days, I was able to do that. So really, it was the consistency of voice that helped, helped you gain that, that traction. And then obviously, the confidence that you were portraying in the video of the, and the quality of content that you were delivering. It's just yes. that and, perfect storm um, of things coming together for you. Yeah. I mean, it definitely was. And it, de it was a great storm. <laughs> it was a very welcomed one because I thought, I have nothing else to lose. Nothing else is really working here. And, you know, the goal was not to have a hobby that took me a lot of hours. The goal was to have a business. But I had to prove, literally to the world, I was using a global platform. I had to prove to everybody but me, because I already knew it, I had to prove that I knew what I was talking about. I had to prove that I knew about business. I had to prove that I knew how to help people make money online. I had to prove that I knew about creating businesses from scratch, that I knew about social media and marketing. And I did also start teaching live streaming because I was learning as I was going and it was a very new media. Right. Well, and I think that's interesting too, because when you find something that you're comfortable doing, it's easier for you to repeat that again. But when you are uncomfortable, and if you never find that comfort in the, in the discomfort, you're going to stop. And so I think, I think it's interesting. Like for me, I have, a, I have this kind of fear or tension about doing a live video. I'm not sure that I would ever be consistent to the degree that you were with live video. But I found that in, I found my voice and my space in podcasting. And I think that that your ability to find your comfort in video kind of speaks to that importance of understanding what, what platform is, is where you're going to stand out. Yes. And I'd certainly tried enough before that. <laughs> so I knew what wasn't working. And definitely, you know, the fact that I'd been a teacher certainly helped because I was, I was just being me. I've always been me in the classroom. I always wear dangly earrings. You know, those of you listening to the podcast, you can't see that. But if you ever see me on video, I'm always talking with my hands. I'm always wearing dangly earrings. You know, if I have to see anything, I've got my glasses on. If it's any time in the past two years, I probably have a tank top on because, you know, that age. So I, that's, that's me. That's how I am. And if you met me in person, I would be exactly the same way because that's how I am. And live video is the next best thing to sitting across from somebody at an indie coffee shop. It is as close as you're going to get to 
being with that quote unquote real person because you can see what the person's like. You can get a feel for their vibe. You can literally see them talking while they're doing it. And what's best about live video is you can ask them a question in real time and get your answer in real time. So you can ask a question to a podcaster. I mean, I podcast as well. You can ask a question to a podcaster or a blogger, or you know, you can uh, reply to a tweet, or you can you know watch somebody at a, do a video and then you know put a comment in afterwards. You know, you can do all of those things. You can ask questions a litany of ways. Send them an email, and you can get your answer. But there's always a time lapse, always in each of those things. But if you're watching somebody live and you can get your question in real time, that is the key because you're engaging with the person and they are literally showing you their expertise in their field right in front of your eyes. That's so true. I hadn't thought about it in that, in that frame of mind or that perspective, but that really is, that really is true especially as you've grown your audience, you likely have a good size audience viewing when you are doing your lives. Well, now, you know, it's funny because when I, when I first started, you could go live and hundreds of people would watch. I mean, they were just coming in and they were just watching because not very many people were going live. Right. It was so new. Being an early adopter, that's what we call it. Being an early adopter, you know, certainly helps, but it's, you don't have to be an early adopter. I definitely want to make that clear to everybody. You absolutely don't. Anybody can do what I did. Anybody can do it today. If you are good at what you do and you're savvy about doing it, you can build an audience and you can build a brand and you can build a business anywhere with any medium, however it works for you. You could do it with tweeting. You could do it with blogging. You could do it with a YouTube or a Vimeo channel. You could do it on TikTok. You could do it anywhere. But you've got to be providing valuable content for your specific audience, and you've got to be consistent at it. And you've got to be relatable. That's the thing. You've got to be relatable. When I started, I didn't even have a desk at home. I, I didn't have an office. Nobody was, I mean, trust me, my husband at the time, he's now my ex, was telling me about all the ways this wasn't going to work out. And, you know, all of the money that I'd made from 20 years of teaching, that had already gone to the family. That was gone. So Bonnie had no startup money, zero. And I started with my phone and my Apple earbuds with the cord. <laughs> so that, that was my mic. That was it. That was my high-tech equipment. And I didn't even have a desk at home. So I would go to coffee shops and hang out there all day. It got me out of the house, which was great. They had Wi-Fi and coffee, which is really all I've ever needed, literally, to fuel my business. And then I would always talk about how great the coffee shop was. So then they started giving me free coffee too. It was wonderful. It was absolutely fabulous. And, uh, and I, at one coffee shop, um, I started to interview the baristas and I would, we would talk about that and I would bring them on live. It was, it was wonderful. But they would see me as a real person. And three to seven times a day is a lot. That is but a lot. Again, I had nothing to lose, right? I didn't. Did you, did you plan out some of your, the content that you wanted to share? Or were those three, to, those, all those times that you would go live, was it very just in the moment? 
Or did you have some planned content as well? Both. So every day I was teaching about live streaming and every day I was teaching about social media and marketing. And every day I was teaching about starting and growing a business, an online business from scratch or a business from scratch that you were going to now promote online. But I was also doing a lot of in the moment things. And I, I love to tell this story. In this coffee shop where, where I would talk, there was a small room and they had uh, the booths and I really liked that room. So I would sit in that room. And one day, uh, maybe it was a Sunday, one day there was a grandfather and a granddaughter sitting at a table and it was a very small room. So they were about three feet from me. And it was impossible for me not to eavesdrop. And I would have anyway. I really would have because that's, I just, I'm interested. So they didn't know I was listening, but I absolutely was listening and I was watching. And they were sitting across from each other at this little table. And this girl was small enough to be in a high chair, but she looked about three, but she was very small. And she was dangling her little legs and swinging her feet. And they were um, having, their, their moment, he had picked her up from ballet class and he was having a latte and she was having hot cocoa. How do I know? Because I was eavesdropping. And they were talking about the class that she'd had. And I was just sitting and listening and smiling and loving it and just soaking in the love that I saw between them. And after they left, I went live and I talked about that. And what that taught me, I think everything is a business lesson. What that taught me was to stop and appreciate what's right in front of you. The business can wait. The laundry can wait. That laundry is going to wait for you forever. The folding laundry, I can't speak to that because I don't do that a lot. But, But all of that stuff can wait. The dusting, the vacuuming, it'll wait for you. It's going to be right there when you come back to it. But what's not going to wait is that moment that you're about to miss forever because of the laundry, because of the folding, because of the dusting, because of the vacuuming. That moment will vanish forever. And that's what it taught me. And I've I've talked about that since that time. And it's a really, really important lesson. And and as entrepreneurs, we can really get caught up in our to-do list. And we can really get caught up in all of those thoughts in our head that don't stop. And we can forget about the moments that are just vanishing. That's so true. And as you were saying that, I was thinking about all the different times that I've had those thoughts go through my mind of, oh, wow, I'm so happy I saw this or I, and I want to share this with someone. And by you picking up your phone and start doing a live video, you were able to do exactly that. Share that that moment and the lesson that you took from it immediately so that it wasn't lost or it wasn't faded anyway as you, you know, if you would have come back around to it for a blog or for something that wasn't as in the moment as what you were able to do with that live video. Mm-hmm. That's... That's, that's great. I like that a lot. And I could see why that would then propel you to continue to come back to that medium. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and when you are, when you are going live, I, I definitely want to want to say this long gone are the days where the lay person can click the go live button. You know, thank you, Mark Zuckerberg and team for making it that easy to go live now. Long gone are the days where you can click the go live button and have hundreds of people pile on to watch you. Unless you are a huge name, that will never happen. I should say that will almost never happen. But that doesn't mean that you can't deliver gold to your audience. And it also means more how valuable that content needs to be, how much you need to know your audience and what they want, not what they need. You're delivering what they need without them knowing it. You're giving them what they want every single day without fail. Every single time you click go live, you're giving your audience what they want and that keeps them coming back. And you are answering their questions and you're addressing their comments and you're saying hello when they come into the room, all of those things. You're doing all of that. And that's what will keep them coming back. Now, they might not always be able to watch you live. That's okay, because people actually do have lives. And I have come to understand and actually accept that people do have other things to do than watch me on my live broadcast. I get that. But now, because I've, because I've been consistent and because I do deliver value every single time, my thing was, if you could take any 10 minutes, any 10 minute section out of any broadcast I've ever done, and I've produced over 4,000 myself, I stopped counting at 4,000, so I don't know how many thousands it is now. You could take any 10 minute section out of any broadcast I've ever done, and there would be valuable, actionable content. That's my thing. So not everybody has 20 minutes, my, mine average about 20 minutes, my lives. So not everyone has 20 minutes. Sometimes they've got five or they've got 10. I'm going to be delivering them value every single time. And when you know that about somebody, when you trust them, when you know them, you like them, you trust them, then those people will keep coming back. That's your sticky audience. And then maybe eventually they will buy from you, or maybe they're just going to keep coming back for the gold. That's okay too. You're serving them in a, in a way that is what they need at that moment. And if they do get to the point where they want more, they will, they'll come and find you in the way that they need you to be there. Right. So, and, and part of that is always being available <laughs> for that more. So a lot of people forget the CTA. They forget the call to action. You know, they'll do a podcast episode and there won't be any call to action. They'll write a blog post and there's no call to action. And you never know who's ready for more. You never know. They might read a paragraph. They might listen to two minutes of that podcast episode and they're like, I think I want to talk to this woman more. And if you have no call to action, it's gone and it might be gone forever. And you know what? There's going to be somebody else five seconds later that they come across online because that's how it happens. And then all of a sudden they forget you. People remember slowly and they forget at light speed. You know, and it's funny you say that about calls to action. When I started my podcast, when I go back and listen to the first, I don't know, probably 10 or 12, I was terrible about putting a call to action in. I think frankly, because at that time I was so focused on just 
what it took to actually produce the content, figure out how to edit it, put it, you know, get it put together, all of that, that it just wasn't even clicking with me that I wasn't including a call to action. It was like, I knew it needed to be there. And so in my mind, it was there. But in all actuality, it wasn't. And so I think there's a lot of people who think that, that we are so close to the work that we do. We just assume somebody is going to know what to do to be able to get in touch with us or that they're going to just reach out to us because they want to. And that there's like an implied or inferred call to action in what we're presenting. But no, we have to be very clear on what is it we want you to do? Is it download this or watch my next video or reach out to me or post something on my Facebook or whatever it might look like? We have to tell them and lay those breadcrumbs for them to find the right path to get to us. Exactly. And it's not going to happen with one call to action. No. I was, I was just a, literally the podcast episode that went out today. It's episode 54 of Business Fabulous. That's my podcast. I was just talking about that on the podcast that it's not going to happen once. It's not going to happen with that one call to action. And you don't know. Maybe they only listen to one podcast. Or maybe they only read one blog post, or maybe they only read that one tweet, or whatever it is. And so you've got to be providing those opportunities to engage more. You've got to be providing those invitations every single time. You, you might have heard that a lot of times people will, will read, it takes five to uh, or seven to 12 touch points or five to 12 touch points. Now I've been reading, it can take up to 30 touch points. In yeah. other words, it takes a lot of, Hey, you know, reach out at listener at bonnielfrank.com. You know, it takes a lot of that kind of stuff. It takes a lot of, you know, whatever it is that you want them to do for it to register because it's not that it doesn't sink in. It's got to be, You've got to meet them with your message and their availability to hear it. Right, right. At the time that it's relevant for them, which is, is another tricky thing to think about because we want to say, well, I've already said this once. I don't, you know, I don't want to be a pest. I don't want to continually just repeat myself. Well, no, on social especially, it's okay to repeat yourself. You need to repeat yourself because chances are if you posted it, two days ago. They didn't see it two days ago, and but they'll see it today. Or maybe they'll see it on Twitter, especially. It could be, you could post the same thing or, or nearly the same thing multiple times in a day. Because how often do you actually scroll through screen after screen after screen of tweets of people that you follow in order to find the last time that somebody you were looking for posted? I mean, it, it just doesn't work that way. That's a shift in our mindset, really, because we don't want to be repeating ourselves all the time. We think that that's a, that's a nuisance somehow. Maybe we were taught that in school. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, repeating yourself. I, heard you I the first grew time. up, don't speak unless spoken to. So that tells you how I grew up, but, um, which is crazy compared to you know, how I am now. But, and I think as women, I mean, I know as women, we have a very different mindset 
than men. And that is just the truth. And I'm not a hater. I love men. I'm not a hater, but that is just the truth. And you could have the best parents in the world who are very evolved people, and they will absolutely bring up boys and girls different. I taught for 20 years. I saw it. I am a mom of boys. I saw it. And I, what, I was evolved and I did read the books. And, and so was my husband at the time. And we still did it. And it's, it's human nature. How people approach girls and how people approach boys are very different. And it starts from the time they're in utero. And then it just gets worse. Once again, it's a business lesson. Because little girls are often, not always, but are often given toys to play with that keeps them stationary. Oh, Little boys yeah, you're right. are often given toys to play with that has them exploring their environment. I hadn't thought about it like that, but it's, you're exactly right. So to take it to a business lesson and to take it to actual research, if you research about the percentage of men and women who get raises, women is far lower. It's also because they ask for it far less often. doesn't mean they're less able. They don't ask for it because they're not exploring their environment. They're staying stationary. Yep. Very interesting. Another thing that I thought of while you were, while, while we were talking about that is just the quality of communication that we have of how easily or how, how clear we are in what we want someone to do. So I, I found a, a show on Amazon Prime yesterday while I was folding my clothes. And it was called Back to Back. It's a cooking show. And it's the, the first two episodes that I watched, and they're only 20 minutes. One was Gordon Ramsay and a chef from the Bon Appetit cooking, uh, like their test labs. And then the second one was Bobby Flay. The point was, is that they stood back to back at their own cooking stations and the professional chef or the celebrity chef needed to talk through teaching the person mm. from the Bon Appetit test kitchens how to make whatever it was that they were making. And they, the celebrity chef then made it at the same time. It was so interesting to see how, what the celebrity chef thought, how either how little or elaborate they became in their descriptions back and forth. So the first one with Gordon Ramsay was they were making crab cakes. And he said, you need to cut these peppers so that they virtually disappear in once we, you know, make them into the crab cakes. And the, the chef behind, or the, you know, the guy behind him had these huge chunks. I mean, it was, it was so interesting because then at the end, they turned around and they showed each other their, their dishes. And both of them, were so far away from the way that they were supposed to look, but it was such a, it was such an interesting experiment in communication and how well we can communicate that for me, it was, it was, I mean, it was entertaining to watch how they got to where they were, but it was really more about that business lesson of what we've been talking about. You have to tell people what you need them to do in order to get them to move forward and do it. They had to tell this other cook, this other chef, 
how to create it without them being able to see it and be as descriptive as possible. And Bobby Flay did better than Gordon Ramsay did. Mm-hmm. But I would say they were, it was well worth the entertainment value of those 20 minutes to see how challenging it really was to be able to get that detail across to someone. Well, and, and what, and that doesn't surprise me about Bobby Flay, just looking at the way they came up. It, it is, it, it's a, it's a fabulous study of communication. And it's also a study of knowing your audience. You know, mince right. is the word that was missing. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what mincing is. If you're in the kitchen and you're creating something, you should know what mince is. It means teeny tiny little pieces. Yep. But that's also where cooking is an art right? It's a science. It's all about chemistry. By the way, if you understand chemistry, you can be a wonderful chef and a wonderful baker. But you've you've got to be using the language that your audience understands. You've got to speak to your audience. They were speaking to each other, but that wasn't their audience. Mm -hmm. They're speaking to another chef. So they're just using this flowery chef language. Eh, Everybody understands what that is. No, everybody does not. And so you've got to be communicating in the language that your audience understands. You've got to speak to them in a way that they can hear you. And maybe that's through a tweet or a blog post or an image or a carousel of images on Instagram or a Facebook story or an Instagram story or a podcast or your YouTube channel Any or screaming on a street corner. All of those things can accomplish the exact same purpose, but you've got to know who your audience is and you've got to speak to them in a way that they can hear you. Right. Well, and I think the other thing that this did too, is it really proves the point of the visual component in it of how important it is to combine, how powerful it is to combine the two together because they took the visual away. They didn't allow them to look at what the other one was doing. So even if, even if he would have said mince, if the guy wasn't sure what it meant, he couldn't look to follow the example. He didn't have that. So it made his words that much more important. Yes. And think about buying a cookbook or finding a recipe online that has no vivid pictures. Mm-hmm. When I, I don't often look for recipes because I usually make them up myself, but especially with baking, baking, you have to be very exact about the amounts of things that you're using because it truly is such a, a chemistry situation. So especially with baking, I will look at the picture and that's how I pick my recipe. I don't look at the recipe first and then just look at the picture after or avoid the picture entirely because people eat with their eyes. You know, people shop online with their eyes and that's why live streaming or any type of video or your in-person meeting can be so important. The above the fold, the top half of your website, you know, what somebody sees before they scroll down can be so crucial because people shop with their eyes. And so what they see is already providing communication to them. That's why Instagram works the way it does. The the image itself is going to sell you. The copy 
adds to the image that has already sold you. Nobody's ever going to read the copy unless the image is compelling. So true. So one thing I wanted to ask you too, Bonnie, is how do you, how have you repurposed, like, you know, with all the content that you're putting out on a daily basis, do you make a practice of repurposing that in some way to, to further, you know, give it more legs, if you will? I do. And um, I have several episodes where I've talked specifically about repurposing. Um, my top uh, download is 25 ways to repurpose one podcast episode that has more listens than anything else. But I've also talked about repurposing, you know, a blog post, repurposing an audiogram, repurposing lots of different things. And anything you do, and I teach my clients this all the time, anything you do, you should be going into it with a plan. First of all, that's always a good idea with a plan. And then that plan should include how else can I use this content? You should already have the plan of at least one other way. And there's so many, there's endless numbers of ways that you could repurpose anything. But think about just one, what's one other way you could use this same content again. And maybe that simply means putting it in your social media scheduler in the queue. If it's evergreen content, if it's not directly tied to an event and a time and a year, a holiday, you know, if it's not directly tied to something like that, it's called evergreen. And so maybe it simply means you're going to put it back in your social media schedule. You're going to put it in the queue and every four months on a Thursday afternoon at 2 PM, it's going to go back out on social media. Okay. That's, that's better than doing nothing. But there's also loads of other ways that you could repurpose. So to answer your question, what I've been doing lately, and it changes all the time because as entrepreneurs, we kind of go with the flow and do what we want and try lots of experiments. So what I've enjoyed doing lately is going live and repurposing that live stream. Well, and then repurposing that in lots of different ways. So, so for example, episodes 53 and 54, two episodes came from that one Facebook live broadcast, two episodes, because all of my episodes are less than 30 minutes because ain't nobody got time anymore. So all of my episodes are fairly short. Well, I was talking on and on so much great content and answering questions live from the audience. It was such a great live stream all about how to boost engagement on a live stream broadcast. I said on a Facebook live, but it could be on any live broadcast or in any presentation that you do from the stage, anything in any sort of presentation you do, period, how to boost engagement. So I talked and it was such good content. And I realized during it, this is going to be two episodes because I'm going on for so much and there's so much great. I mean, it was just wonderful. So that ended up being two episodes. And then I'm taking uh, from each of those. So now one thing becomes two, mm -hmm. but now it becomes more than that because I can pull any 10 minutes from either of those episodes and put it on IGTV or LinkedIn. So I, um, Instagram, IGTV, if you have more than 10,000 followers, I do not. I do Instagram actually, um, I do Instagram stories every single day and Facebook stories every day. And that's my creative outlet. I, I look at Instagram as an adult coloring book. Most of my money comes from Facebook. 
but I still do Instagram every day because I love it. It's fun. So I can pull any 10 minutes from that and put it up on IGTV. And I can take that exact same 10 minutes. You don't have to repurpose the wheel every time. Take that exact same 10 minutes and put it on LinkedIn. So I do not yet have LinkedIn live. Hello, LinkedIn. Knock, knock. Give it to me. Hello. Built my business on live stream, but whatever. I don't have it yet. So if you don't have LinkedIn Live, then your video has to be 10 minutes or less because LinkedIn, they do not want LinkedIn to be YouTube. It's not supposed to be people who are on LinkedIn are all about business and they're not there to simply watch, you know, a plethora of videos all day long. They're actually working. So that's not what it's about. So now I've taken the 10, same 10 minutes and now one thing has become four things. And it's become four things in very different places for very different audiences. The right, same people well for all of them. Yes. The same people are not watching me on LinkedIn as IGTV. And then I'm taking bits of that and putting it on my Instagram stories and my Facebook stories. And I am here to tell you, and I, you can see the avatars, you can see the pictures of everybody watching your stories. I have very different audiences and much larger audiences on my Facebook stories than my Instagram stories, which of course makes sense. 95% of my money comes from Facebook. That makes sense. But I'm putting sometimes the exact same story on Instagram. I have three different Instagram accounts because I have three very different audiences on those accounts. So sometimes I put the same story, but every day I have, in terms of the entire story, it is different and it is tailored to that audience, even though parts of that story may be the same. And then most people don't know this. So for those of you listening, you're going to get gold here. The Facebook stories get everything. My Facebook stories, because those are most of my people, they get all of it. They get everything from Business Fabulous Podcast Instagram account, from those stories, so they get information about my podcast. They get it from the visibility expert on Instagram, so they get information on online visibility. They get it from Bonnie.Frank, which started out as a personal account and became business. So that's where I talk a lot about, that's where I'll talk about yoga, I'll talk about mindset, I'll talk about, I give my smoothie recipes, I will talk about whatever it is I'm talking about and general business. They get all of it. But all so, funnels into that one Facebook page or Facebook yeah, story. Yeah, the one Facebook story. Nice. Yep. But it all goes back to knowing your audience. And I know my audience well. And I engage with them. And the people who engage with me, I really know. Even though the vast majority of them I have never met in person. I have known and have have relationships with people from all over the world and truly know them. I know, I know them. I know all about their families. I know so much about them, but I've never met them all over the world. But I really know them and I really am friends with them. Mm -hmm. Yep. You can build really good relationships with people without ever having been in the same room with them. Yes. And I definitely want to say this before we end. I definitely want to say this. People are like, well, Bonnie, you go live all the time. You think everybody should be going live. No, I don't. I have never said that, nor will I ever. 
and I've taught university courses about live stream. And I've, I've talked lots of times from the stage about live stream. And yes, I did build my business on live streaming. And I have readily said, nobody ever has to go live. You don't have to go live. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do in life as far as I'm concerned. And especially if you're an entrepreneur, do what you want to do that works. And if you don't want to go live, don't go live. There are so many other ways to communicate with your audience, but it all goes back to knowing your audience. And that's where most people fall short. And that's why most entrepreneurs fail. Yeah. The vast majority of people fail within the first six months and certainly within the first five years. Right. I would also add to that. It's also about knowing who you are and what you're going to put the effort and be consistent in. Sure. Absolutely. And it's hard. It's not easy. People who make it look easy have already gone through the hard stuff and you don't realize all the behind the scenes. You don't know how much they're sleeping. (laughs) You don't know how many hours they're working or the size of the team behind them. You don't know that. All you see is what you see. Yep. Well, it goes back to that saying of just because you're on chapter one doesn't mean that the person that you're watching is also on chapter one. They are probably on chapter 20 or 25 or wherever, but they are further ahead than you are. So you need to remember what steps they had to take in order to be able to get to where they are. Yes, exactly. And it's 100% possible. You can get to where they are or wherever you want to be. And you can get there faster than they got there because you can learn from those lessons that are all around you all the time. Um, A good friend of mine taught me success leaves clues. And that is such a powerful message. And she actually was one of my first clients. She followed me on Periscope and she was one of my very first clients. And she came to me... My, my first group of clients was uh, vastly different from each other. So I had people who had never started a business before. I had people who had started a business and weren't really getting some traction. I had people who started a business, were getting traction, but wanted more. And then I had her. And she had started, created from scratch, and sold to multiple million-dollar corporations before she came to me. And... She watched me on Periscope and she hired me. And the very first day that we quote unquote met, we actually met for the first time last year. So we met four years, over four years actually uh, in person after we had virtually met online. And the first time that I met her online, we were on Zoom like we are now. For those of you watching the podcast, Amy and I are talking on Zoom and So I saw her in her audience and right behind her right shoulder was her Ernst & Young Award. Now they give one of those a year, one, in each category to somebody in business. And most people would see that and think, ah, that's some award. I knew exactly what that meant. And I was hyperventilating because I thought, what in the world is she doing with me? What can I teach her? I've never even had a business class. What in the world can I teach her? And I started with her the exact same way I start with everybody, which is exactly what we've been talking about, which is ideal client avatar. 
If you don't know who that one ideal client is, you'll never know who your target audience is. You can't. It's impossible. And if you don't truly know who your target audience is, you cannot communicate with them in a way that they can hear you. And if you can't do that, you surely cannot sell to them. But more importantly, you cannot deliver the gold that you're able to deliver every single time because they're, they're not going to be able to hear you. Such good advice. Thank you. I think that's the perfect place to wrap up our conversation on that, that nugget of wisdom right there. So Bonnie, if you could just share with my listeners where they can find you and then we will wrap it up. Okay, well, uh, you can find me all over social media. Uh, just Google Bonnie L. Frank, B-O-N-N-I-E-L-F-R-A-N-K. That is me. You'll find me all over the place. Uh, you can go to my website, bonnielfrank.com. And um, I'd love to offer your audience a free consultation, if that's okay. Yep. That's so um, if you would love to chat with me on the phone, an actual phone, or if you're in St. Louis, Missouri, I'm happy to meet in an indie coffee shop and we could actually sit across from the, sit across the table from each other. But um, if you go to bit.ly forward slash talk to Bonnie, then you can sign up for a 20 minute chat and I can help you with your business. I can uh, teach you all about live streaming. We can chat live streaming, or if you want to monetize your podcast, then we can talk about that. Or if you just want to chat, no, don't call me for just want to chat, but sign up for a 20 minute consultation and I'll be happy to help. It's totally free. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I loved hearing about your journey of using live streams to be able to really be the foundation of, of building out your business to what it is today. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. It was really fun. If you need help overcoming those frustrations and uncertainties that you have related to building out a brand that will bring you the clientele that you're looking for, that will help you resonate with them, or better yet, even just identify them so that you can better relate to the struggles that they face day in, day out while they're searching for a solution like what you can offer to them, the Brand Confidence Mastermind is here to help you do just that. We will meet twice a month and we'll do hot seat coaching and have deep seated conversations around what makes your business tick and how can we make it happen and become a reality rather than just an idea. Give me a call or shoot me an email at amy at amyaustinmarketing.com and we'll talk about whether or not the Brand Confidence Mastermind is the right place for you. I think it probably will be. I'm excited to offer this service and I look forward to meeting all of you who join us as we find accountability and create clarity, consistency, and confidence in growing our business and viewing our brand as the all-important asset that it represents to our business. Give me a call, shoot me an email, schedule a discovery call, and we'll find out if this is a good fit for you. This has been the Pursuit of Purpose podcast presented by Austin Marketing. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. Head over to amyaustinmarketing.com for links and resources mentioned in today's show, as well as ways to subscribe and connect with Amy. Thanks for listening.